0: What is going on, everyone? It is Mason Pierce here, host of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, it is finally Friday. We made it through another week. And we actually have some pretty interesting college football news to talk about. Jimbo Fisher and the A&M Aggies, they continue, and I mean continue to dominate the recruiting you know, portion of college football. And their 2023 class is about to be looking as good as their 2022 class. We'll get into that. Um, Las Vegas, they actually gave quarterback Derek Carl a three-year extension we'll get into kind of the reasons why they would have done that and then we'll finish off the episode talking about some of the NBA play-in tournament and some of the actual playoff matchups we will see going into the playoffs come this weekend so guys before we do get started into today's episode I do want to ask y'all please to make sure that you are following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast at Cover 7 with Mason Pierce link will be down in the description of the episode and guys, I hope y'all had a fantastic week. I know I definitely did. I went to a couple Ranger games. I saw the home opener. Now my Rangers, unfortunately, were not performing as well as I hope he would. Pitching still needs to be addressed majorly. Some offensive players like Corey and Marcus Simeon, they do need to you know, slowly ramp up their production. But nothing less, I do still think the future is bright for my Rangers, especially the fact that our farm system is absolutely one of the best in the league. But nothing less, guys. Let's get right into today's episode. And to start off today's episode, I want to talk about former five-star quarterback and USC and Georgia quarterback J.T. Daniels. Now, in case y'all have did not, you know, um, I think it was about back in January or February, J.T. officially entered the transfer portal after kind of having a shaky career with the Georgia Bulldogs. It never really seemed like he did get you know his full foot through the door. It seemed like Kirby Smart more more than likely was kind of restricting his play. You know trying to allow Stetson Bennett to become the, you know, the complete number one. And yes, Stetson did lead Georgia to a um, national championship, don't get me wrong, but I think we all can agree that JT Daniels obviously is a lot more talented, and I think he would have offered a lot more to the Bulldogs, but nothing less through his two seasons at Georgia. He passed for a little under 2,000 yards while having 17 touchdowns and 5 picks, so it wasn't really a horrible, you know, career at Georgia. I mean, obviously, statistically, Some of his career combined numbers at Georgia probably were some quarterbacks, you know, stats for one season. But we also have to remember he only appeared in, I think, six games this past season. And then I think due to some injury issues during the COVID year, he only played in a couple. And the fact that they only had conference games in 2020. So we never really got to see JT fully at Georgia. But I don't really blame him for entering the transfer portal because it's kind of the same situation he had at USC and Clay Helton. He had an amazing freshman year, throwing for over 2,600 yards with 14 touchdowns. Now, the 10 picks he did have were a little concerning, but he still did have a higher touchdown-to-interception ratio, and he looked really solid. Now, going into 2019, his sophomore year at USC, he unfortunately was injured in the first game. So he did end his sophomore campaign with 215 yards, one touchdown, and one pick. So obviously, you know, the future was there. I mean, the talent still was there from his days at modern day the California powerhouse. And, you know, they, I fully expected him to stay the starter at USC. But as we all know, Keaton Slovis, the backup quarterback, ended up taking over the starting position. And that kind of forced JT to, you know, enter the transfer portal for the first time. Now we all know Keaton Slovis, he transferred to Pittsburgh a couple months back. And now, let's get back to JT Daniels and why that even matters. JT Daniels officially announced that he will be transferring to West Virginia. Now, a lot of people probably thought he was going to end up at Oregon State or he was going to end up at Mizzou because Mizzou a SEC school. And, you know, they didn't land Jaden Daniels, the ASU transfer. So, they still had a huge gap at the quarterback position. But nothing less I guess he saw the potential at West Virginia his old USC offensive coordinator Graham Harrell which in case you don't know who Graham Harrell is he's a former Texas Tech quarterback who was an absolute gunslinger you know the Mike Leach product and you know that's an air raid offense and I think JT probably was very attracted to a pass heavy offense obviously West Virginia they won't have their starting running back Letty Brown anymore who he did um, declare for the NFL draft after having a Really good past two seasons, in each of these seasons he rushed for over a thousand yards and had about ten touchdowns in each season. So definitely will be a really good sneaky draft pick for an NFL team, but nothing less. Another reason why you know JT probably decided to go to West Virginia is the fact that West Virginia former you know their former starting quarterback Garrett Doge, he decided to transfer to Western Kentucky which left West Virginia kind of an awkward position because now they don't have a quarterback. They don't have, you know, a a solidified QB1. And, yes, I know they have former four-star recruit in Garrett Green, who is now technically a redshirt freshman still, even though this is his third year in college football, obviously because he did use his redshirt year his freshman year, and then had the COVID year as well. So it kind of added. So now he's, you know, he's only a freshman. But we also have to remember JT Daniels only has one year left of eligibility. So he's going to go somewhere where he was guaranteed a starting position. Now we saw with former Clemson quarterback Kelly Bryant when he went to Mizzou and how horribly that ended his career. Obviously, whether it was his play, you know, his play style or just the fact Mizzou as a whole, that offense was not that great. Now, Mizzou was probably another attractive place simply for the fact they got five star Luther Borden at wide receiver. But I just think JT Daniels felt more established going to a system that he's comfortable with. You know, he's already played in Graham Harrell's offense at USC. So I think this was a splash get for West Virginia and Neil Brown. I mean, this easily puts them now probably in the middle of the pack of the Big 12. And yes, we'll still, we'll still see OU, OSU, maybe even TCU you know, at the top of the Big 12 this year, Texas is still a big what-if because we don't know what we're going to get from Quinn Ewers. You know what I mean? We've seen him do pretty decent in practice. We've seen him do really good in, in high school, but we haven't seen him at the college level yet. He still is very inexperienced and raw. So... It would be cool to see Quinn absolutely go off. I still do think he'll, you know, have a really productive season. I mean, having a running back like Bijan Robinson, you're obviously going to be a threat on offense. And not even to add, they have speedy five-star wide receiver Xavier Worthy, and now they got Billingsley, the tight end from Alabama. It just makes them, I mean, just unstoppable on offense. So, obviously you know, West Virginia still is going to be in a very tough conference, but now that they have, you know, a proven veteran quarterback like JT Daniels running the offense now, I think this is just a splash hire for the Mountaineers. Now, to get into some more college football news and kind of some recruiting news, not really about transfer portal news, but some recruiting news, it's about Texas A&M. Now, we all know they had an historic 2022 recruiting cycle. They officially became the highest ranked recruiting class of all time in college football history which is kind of surprising to think because a has not really won any major you know championships they haven't won the SEC yet even though they've been you know in the SEC for going on a decade now you know this upcoming season so it's probably a lot of people are wondering why is it so attractive well yes NIO is a huge factor to add on to it but I think Jimbo Fisher and his coaching staff are pretty good I mean i I don't think they're they're like the absolute best in the SEC because, I mean, you can't compete with Nick Saban's coaching tree and, you know, obviously Florida's kind of building a really underrated team, but the fact of the matter is, is that A&M is an up-and-coming program that will definitely be in contention for winning the SEC West, even when teams like OU and Texas do come into the SEC in the next couple of years. But nothing less let's get into why Texas A&M is back in the college football news. And this is because Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies, they landed four-star cornerback and top 80 recruit in the 2023 recruiting class, Javon Thomas out of South Oak Cliff High School in Dallas, Texas. And this just continues to already add on to a really impressive 2023 you know recruiting class. Um, Texas A&M, they're ranked number three in the SEC and ranked number nine in the country regarding the 2023 class, and it's only going to continue to grow, and here's a couple reasons why. The Aggies are currently crystal balled to land five-star linebacker Anthony Hill, which if they do land him, that will boost them probably up to number two or number one in the SEC rankings and possibly number five or four in college football. They're also expected to land four-star wide receiver Adam Hopkins, which I mean, it's just so impressive, and this is just to name a few names that A and M is currently crystal ball to land. So definitely watch for their twenty twenty three class to continue to rise, especially through the twenty twenty two season. If they have great success, possibly win you know an SEC championship, make it to a New York Six Bowl, and just you know ball out. You never know. Honestly, I think they could be in contention to go for the college football playoff. But obviously, you know, in, inside your conference, when you have teams like Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Even Kentucky, who's been sneakily good these past couple of years, and even LSU, because obviously LSU getting Brian Kelly has kind of revitalized that whole program, so nothing less. Watch for a and just to continue to make a lot of great, you know, just recruit commits, but a and M fans do not be getting too excited at the fact you're landing all of these, you know, superstars because you gotta remember they all are coming to this school expecting to play. And if they're not gonna play the amount that they want to, and they're not gonna play the certain amount of I guess time and certain amount of snaps they want, they will transfer out and go to a different program. And obviously if A and M struggles, they're gonna instantly see their way out the door because, you know, they were promised Probably a huge NIL deal and probably promised a great, you know, profile for the NFL considering the fact that, hey, you know, you're competing with the best of the best in the SEC. But definitely just continue to kind of monitor Texas a and m situation because I don't want to get too excited for the Aggies. Now, obviously, I'm not going to hate on them, even though, you know, my family is a UT family. I don't hate A&M because it's good to see them finally, after all the struggles they've had these past couple years, finally kind of seem to get a grip on the recruiting, you know, recruiting cycle, and I think Jimbo Fisher's done absolutely fantastic. Yes, I know the boosters probably have a major role inside of it, you know, hey, here's a two million dollar NIL deal, but I do think that they come to these schools also at at the fact that they have great coaches, and they're going to be surrounded by a bunch of great talent. Now, obviously, getting Max Johnson from LSU, who's already a proven decent quarterback in college football will be amazing for a A&M. and I think he fits really well in that offense. And the fact now that he has five-star wide receiver Evan Stewart on the outside with him as well, it just makes it even better. So definitely A&M is going to continue to only rise and rise and rise. I don't think they're going to fall now. I think they've already hit their rock bottom. So definitely expect them to continue to soar. Now, guys, that is it for college football news today. There wasn't, there hasn't been really any crazy, crazy news besides J.T. Daniels going to West Virginia, and then obviously A&M just continuing to dominate the uh, recruiting cycle. But guys, we do have some, you know, a decent amount of NFL news. There's some Baker Mayfield news. There's some Debo Samuel contract news, and then there's Derek Carr news. So we'll get right into that now. The first topic we will talk about is Derek Carr. Now, on Wednesday, the Las Vegas Raiders and starting quarterback Derek Carr, they agreed to a three-year, $121 million contract extension, which also includes a no-trade clause, which pretty much means that if Derek Carr does not like the team that the Las Vegas Raiders are trying to trade him to, he can say, no, I don't want to go to that team, and the trade will absolutely get canceled. Now, do do I think that the, the Raiders should have paid this much to keep Derek Carr? Absolutely not. Now, obviously, the fact that they just got Devonte Adams from the Green Bay Packers, and the fact that him and Derek Carr had a great connection in um, college at Fresno State, was well, probably a huge reason why they wanted to keep Derek Carr. Because I even remember saying in, in some podcast in the past, I thought that they were going to end up moving Derek Carr, whether it was releasing him or trading him, because I thought the Colts were going to be a prime destination for him. You know, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles if something, you know, something weird happens, because you know the 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 the, the Eagles. They have so much draft capital that probably, you know, giving them a couple second-round or third-round picks wouldn't have done anything. But obviously, when they got Devontae Adams and kind of showed, hey, Derek, we're going to give you at least one more chance, prove to us that, you know, you can lead us into the playoffs and have playoff success. So they did give him this three-year $121 million contract extension. Now, what's kind of funny is even Derek Carr himself said that he would not have, you know, he would not have, blamed Josh McDaniels and then the new GM Dave Ziegler if they wanted to move into a different direction at quarterback because you know he obviously he hasn't been that successful he's had decent regular seasons but he's just never had any playoff success and yes you can also talk about the fact that he hasn't had any incredible talent around him obviously now that he has Josh Jacobs at running back now he has Devontae Adams and they just got former Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver um Demarcus Robinson, who is a solid wide wide receiver three option for Patrick Mahomes. So I definitely think this is a kind of a make it or break it year for Derek Carr. And yes, I know he just got this huge extension, but if he if he continues to struggle throughout this next year and the fact that they did get him, you know, the best wide receiver in the league and Devontae Adams. They kind of, he has no more excuses. I mean, it's kind of going to be one of those things where it's like, okay, we do need to move forward. And then I would definitely see them possibly trying to move move him. But now, it also makes it a lot more, you know, harder to the fact that, hey, he is going to have this huge $40 million a season contract. And it's just going to be impossible to find a team that's going to want to take him. So they'll probably have to end up releasing him and then another team will sign him. But nothing less. I do think it's good because, you know, Derek Carr, he did just get off a. Of, statistically a career year 4,800 passing yards and he also had 23 touchdowns but he also did have a career worst 14 interceptions and 40 sacks so he technically did have one of his best statistical seasons in his career and then also had one of his worst statistical seasons in his career but I do think that the the Raiders are heading in a really nice direction and he also did have a pretty decent season last year you know whether it's regarding the whole John Gruden situation, the Henry Rugg situation, and then obviously Damon Arnett and his situation. And I just think the fact that he led the Raiders to a 10-7 and record throughout all of that was just absolutely phenomenal. And I do like the fact that they are keeping Derek Carr in Las Vegas. Now the next news we have is regarding a former Philadelphia Eagles and former Kansas City Chiefs cornerback Stephen Nelson. Now, for a while now, I thought Stephen Nelson was probably going to end up re-signing with the Eagles, considering that, you know, the Eagles, they still do need cornerback help. Obviously, they have one of the better cornerbacks in the league in Darius Slay, but they do need a solid cornerback, too. And, you know, he, he, you know Stephen, he did kind of prove that, hey, I could be, you know, a solid cornerback, too. But Stephen Nelson, he has officially signed a one-year deal with the Houston Texans, so he will be going down to Houston. I like this personally. Obviously, Houston you know losing Justin Reed in the secondary they still do have Desmond King but you know they, they're they going to need a lot more secondary help and getting a guy like Steven Nelson is huge if they can possibly get a guy like Kyle Hamilton the star safety from Notre Dame in the draft Houston could actually have a really solid defense so nothing less that is a really good signing for Houston and Philadelphia Eagle fans if you're wondering why they just let Steven Nelson go philly's probably wanting to go younger and the fact that this year's draft class is so stacked at the corner position it's not going to be impossible definitely watch for you know the eagles to possibly target sauce gardener if he drops enough in the draft or possibly go after kobe bryant sauce gardener's teammate at cincinnati and then also remember they have anthony booth the cornerback from clemson and it's just just completely stacked i mean i could name you all these all these different cornerbacks that are coming into this year's draft. Obviously I don't want to make this episode, you know, fifty minutes long, but, but just to prove it to you that hey, losing a guy like Steven Nelson is not gonna hurt you. The fact that you're not having to pay him three to four million a season and instead you can get a really solid replacement for him for half that price, I think the Eagles will be fine in my opinion. Now the next news we have, and it's actually regarding the Detroit Lions, they actually made another move, and yes, I know Detroit had a very lackluster offseason, you know, only signing DJ Chark, which was kind of more notable signing, they had a lot of kind of smaller signings, but, excuse me, I'm sorry guys, but, you know, Detroit kind of really disappointed, I thought they would have done a little bit more, you know, they got rid of guys like Trey Flowers, they got rid of Jamie Collins mid-season last year, you know, cleared a lot of cap space. And they only went out and got DJ Chark. Now, I do like the fact they did get DJ because DJ was outstanding with Jacksonville when he was healthy. He still does have a lot of injury issues, but I do think he'll be a really solid wide receiver one for the Lions. Now, obviously, the fact that he does have Jared Goff at the starting QB position is kind of eh. But I don't think Jared Goff will be there more than probably the next year or two because you know Detroit does not get their quarterback this year, probably Malik Willis. I've seen them possibly in a lot of mock drafts recently. I've seen them going after Malik, which it wouldn't really shock me, the fact that Detroit's been kind of tired of not having a steady quarterback now that they got rid of uh, Matt Stafford, and the fact that Jerry Goff has just been really inconsistent. But, I mean, I can't blame him at the same time because he has practically no weapons in that Detroit offense besides DeAndre Swift. I mean, that was really it. He had Kenny – no, he didn't, didn't – no – no, he never did have Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay left that same year that he got traded to Detroit. So, you know, obviously, kind of got through in a you know bad situation. But nothing less. Still is not a major excuse. But anyway, guys, let's get back to the actual news. The Detroit Lions are signing former Texas and and Baltimore Ravens safety Deshaun Elliott to a one-year deal. Now, I love this signing for the Detroit Lions. I know you always hear me say, I love the signing. I love the signing. But this signing, I genuinely do love. I remember watching Deshaun Elliott come out of Texas, and I mean, that dude comes off the ball insane. He kind of reminded me a lot of Cam Chancellor, the former Seahawks' great uh, safety, because he's so physical. I mean, he will hit you right in your mouth and will knock you on your butt, but he'll also be a ball hawk at the same time and will snag those crazy interceptions you never think they could get. Now, his time with Baltimore was kind of lackluster, not really because he didn't play bad. He, He played amazing when he was healthy. But he was injured, I'd say probably two out of the three years he was with Baltimore. And another thing is when Baltimore did release Earl Thomas after the whole situation he had with the team, I think it was like a, he had a fight with a teammate, and then I guess Baltimore, was kind of like, okay, this, we need to get rid of you. Deshaun Elliott was supposed to be a replacement. Now, things did not work out the way they wanted to. They went out and got Marcus Williams from the New Orleans Saints and free agency. Obviously, he's going to probably replace the role of Deshaun Elliott. So Deshaun Elliott was kind of, you know, just saying, okay, look, we're just going to move on in a different, you know, path. You know, he's, he's got the talent. The talent's still there. But if he can stay healthy for this Detroit Lions team and the fact that he has his, his head coach is Dan Campbell now, I mean, he could end up being a Pro Bowl-level safety, so watch out for possibly Deshaun Elliott to have a breakout season with the Detroit Lions. Now, the next news we have is regarding the San Francisco 49ers and their star wide receiver slash utility tool, Debo Samuel. Now, in case any of y'all did not know, Debo Samuel had a career year this past year and selected as the Pro Bowl and a first-team All-Pro which was absolutely fantastic, but also some of the stats he had this year. He had 1,400 receiving yards with six touchdowns, and then he also had 365 rushing yards with eight touchdowns. So, I mean, he was just a beast this year. Obviously, San Francisco used him kind of like a Cordell Patterson type, you know, back-end receiver, and it proved to be really effective. He led them to a wild-card win and divisional round win against the Packers and Dallas Cowboys. And it looked like San Francisco's really heading in the right direction with Debo. Now, the only problem is is the fact Debo Samuel will be going into his last year of his rookie contract in the 2022 season. And they haven't really discussed any contract extensions with the star wide receiver. Now, you could say that the fact in 2020 when he was dealing with all those injury issues could be worrying, could be worrying and worrisome, but I don't think it is. But Debo Samuel, his asking price apparently, and this is being reported by a lot of different credible reports in the NFL uh, NFL community, Debo Samuel is looking for a contract extension that will pay him about $25 million a season, which will put him up there with guys like Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and you know just all of them. I think it's worth it because when you're getting a guy that can play three different positions on the field, whether it's in the slot, outside, or in the running back position, you're kind of paying for three different positions all in one. So I think it's really, in my opinion, I think they should pull the trigger. 25 is probably cheap for the fact that in the next couple of years, when the NFL salary cap continues to rise and rise and rise, you know, he could be asking for almost 35, 40, you know, some quarterback numbers simply for the fact that he gives you a utility type play style. Now, I know Cordell Patterson, they didn't have to pay all that much, but Cordell is a lot older and obviously is a lot more, you know, He's not he's not the old Cordell Patterson. Now I know yes, he had a career year last year with the Falcons, but you also gotta remember the fact that he is a lot older and running backs are a lot more replaceable too. So definitely that is something to look out for. And the fact that, you know, Debo is not classified as a running back, he is technically classified as a wide receiver, is kinda gonna pay you know, be in his favor because if he was classified as a running back slash receiver, not a receiver slash a running back. That could be really bad, the fact for his payday, because we all see with the Zeke contract and how horrible that's panned out for the Dallas Cowboys. And then just all these, you know, like Todd Gurley and him and the Rams contract that he received, you know, back in like 2018. So it's just, I hope Debe- Debo does get the contract he deserves because he proved it last season with the 49ers. He practically led them through the playoffs despite Jimmy Garoppolo playing pretty horrible. So... Definitely something to watch out for. I don't expect him to get traded or released. I do think San Francisco will bite the bullet and pay and pay him the $25 million a season. But I also don't want to count it out because we all know that that front office will literally trade whoever they want. I mean, hell, they traded DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts a couple years ago for a first round pick, which they got Javon Kenlaw, the former South Carolina Gamecock defensive tackle, which was supposed to be, you know, DeForest Buckner's replacement. But he's been injured the whole time he's been at, you know, San Francisco. And then you have DeForest up in Indianapolis who's been playing at a Pro Bowl and All-Pro level. So don't count out John Lynch in that San Francisco 49er front office. Now the next news we have is regarding Baker Mayfield. Now Baker Mayfield got on a sports podcast and was talking to them about the whole Cleveland situation. He felt disrespected and, you know, he was saying about how they, they told him one thing and then they immediately did. You know, they undid it, and they did something else. And I do kind of feel for Baker. I do think that he kind of started this whole, you know, the the Browns are going in the right movement. Because I'd be lying to you if I said the Browns before Baker Mayfield got into, you know, Cleveland were on a rebuild because they weren't. Yes, they had Tyrod Taylor, and yes, they looked to be decent. But when Baker Mayfield took over the starting play caller, you know, snaps, they, they, were, they did absolutely great. I know they only went like, I think it was like, what? Like barely under 500, but for the Browns going barely under 500 is like going 11 and like 11 and six, so it was a great season for them. And then the following year when they got OBJ and they got OBJ and you know Jarvis Landry reunited, they they had Nick Chubb. It, it looked to be really good, and that was a disappointing year. OBJ tore his ACL. Um, Baker did play a lot more inconsistent. We started to see some of the flaws in his play style, whether it was just his horrible inaccuracy or bad play decisions. So, I do think... I, now, now do I think they did him wrong by trading for Deshaun Watson? Absolutely not. Any franchise that needed a quarterback would have traded for Deshaun Watson. Any franchise that didn't even need a quarterback, they would have traded for Deshaun Watson, unless you're the Tampa Bay Bucks, LA Rams, or the Buffalo Bills, right? Because you already have a franchise quarterback. Now... <sighs> Baker Baker, kind of saying all this stuff about the Browns, I don't believe at all because these past couple years, he has played horrendously bad with the Browns, whether it was his turnover issues or, like I just mentioned, his inaccuracy issues. So the fact he's kind of putting the Browns under the bus for this, I don't, you know, I don't understand that at all because they did give you a chance. They drafted you first overall. It's not like they just completely underrated, you know, second-round, third-round pick, you gave it all to this town. No, 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 no. You spent more time on your progressive commercials than you did, honestly, with the team, you know, bettering yourself. And, yeah, when you do look at what OBJ's father tweeted on, uh, excuse me, guys, he tweeted on Twitter talking about, you know, how his son would be wide open 30 yards deep and you wouldn't even glance at him through your reads. Yeah, that's not a good look for, you know, a quote-unquote first-round, first-overall pick especially a former Heisman winning quarterback. And I do think that um I in my opinion I do think Baker Mayfield was more of a college quarterback than he would have been an NFL quarterback because he he was, he was system made with Lincoln Riley. I mean, when you have when you have Mark Andrews, I don't think yeah, you have Mark Andrews, CD Lamb, Hollywood Brown, Samaje Perine, and just all of those former Oklahoma studs on your offense, you can literally just chunk the ball up or hand the ball off and don't have to do anything. And he kind of did get a similar type play style with that with the Cleveland Browns when he got Jarvis Landry and he got Nick Chubb. He had Austin Hooper for a couple of years. He had David Njoku. You know, it was, you saw a lot of similar results. But the fact was he was playing a lot stronger competition. And I'm not saying the Big 12 doesn't have any strong competition. Obviously, you know, UT, Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU, they're decent, but their defenses are not, are, are not NFL defenses where you actually have to prepare a lot more for those type of teams. So... But nothing less, Baker also was discussing about the next team we could possibly see him on. And he said the Seahawks would probably be the most logical team for him to go to next. And it does make sense. They did trade Russell Wilson away. Their starting quarterback right now is technically Drew Locke and then backup is Geno Smith. So I do think they give Baker, you know, a one-year prove-it deal. And I think it it might work out and it it might not. I mean, it's kind of more of a low-risk, high-reward because you might be getting, you know, a four to five year quarterback on your team but nothing less I do think the Baker Mayfield situation is kind of dicey they literally went out and signed Jacoby Brissett to be the backup yet they still have Baker Mayfield on the roster they also went and got Josh Dobbs the former Tennessee and Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback so it's like why is Baker Mayfield still on your roster if you're signing all these quarterbacks to take his spot you know they did trade Case Keenum to the Buffalo Bills a couple weeks ago and it's just it's just, it's just an awkward situation right now in Cleveland for Baker Mayfield now guys, let's get I want to just quickly as we do in the NFL segment today's news. I do want to talk about some draft rumors going on right now. It is being rumored that Georgia defensive end Trayvon Walker, he's rumored to apparently be the number 1 pick on a lot of teams draft boards, you know, coming into the 2022 draft. Now, he had an absolute amazing NFL combine. He ran for a 4.47, I think 40 at a defensive end position, which that's already impressive. He did really good on the bench press and I guess his draft combine pretty much rose him up to the number one overall pick. I don't think at all he should be number one overall. Now, we know Jacksonville and their drafting record, you know, with guys like Blake Bortles and all that, you know, they probably would do something like this. But I'm hoping it's not because I do think he will kind of be put in like a Jalen Rager situation where the expectations are way too damn high and, you know, there's nothing he can do about it because at the same time when you're drafted number one overall you're expected to end end up becoming a pro bowl all pro level you know player i do think he'll be a stud in the nfl that's without a doubt he will be great but i do think number one is way too much of a long shot for you know when you've got a lot more in my opinion better you know talent in the nfl draft now and here's the here's kind of some shocking news but this has actually kind of been like it's not it's like it's a rumor but it's also true at the same time so it's like a Trumer, I guess you could say um reportedly Notre Dame starting safety and star safety Kyle Hamilton he's apparently drop, he's apparently dropping down a lot of team's boards and is apparently kind of looking outside in at the number 10 pick in the first round I, if you told me this three to four months ago I would say you were insane because apparently Kyle Hamilton he was a top five pick for the longest time throughout the season you know he had an all, an all-American safety at Notre Dame. He played, you know, obviously, you know, Notre Dame having a lot of safety, you know, success with, like, guys like Harrison Smith, the starting safety for the Minnesota Vikings. And the fact that, that Kyle Hamilton literally was a, I think it was a first-team All-American and just was fantastic, a ball-hawking safety. He has great size at six foot five. I mean, he... There's nothing bad about this. I know his combine was not the greatest. I know he ran like a 4.5 at a sa- at the safety position, which is not technically ideal, but this was one day versus a 12 to 13 game season that he proved himself that he was obviously a t- he was worthy of a top five pick. I do still think he'll be picked in the top 10, maybe not the top five, but I definitely do see a team like Houston possibly going after him. Considering the fact they need safety help because they did let Justin Reed go into free agency, so I just wanted to let y'all know that apparently a lot of teams are looking at Kyle Hamilton, saying, "Okay, the fact you didn't have a great pro, you know, pro day or combine, you're not worthy of a top ten pick." But you know, Trayvon Walker definitely should be a you know first overall pick for sure. I I, I don't I I really don't understand it because I feel like easily Kyle Hamilton's gonna have a lot more success in the NFL than you know, Trayvon, and I don't want to compare them because they're both two different position players, right? Obviously being on the D line in the front sevens, a lot different than being in the backfield, you know, playing, you know, high safety, but nothing less. I do think Kyle Hamilton just has a lot more NFL potential. So anyway, guys, that is it for today's NFL news. Now I do want to get into just one MLB news. Now, the MLB season is officially here. It's officially underway. We've already gone through about the first week of games. And they've all been pretty, pretty interesting. The Blue Jays, they picked up right where they left off last season. They've been crushing home runs. And on Wednesday night, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he went 4 for 4 with three home runs. And, yes, you hear that right. Three home runs. He hit a hat trick in baseball. I definitely expect him to probably win AL MVP this year. I really do. Now, you could probably say, well, what about Shohei Ohtani? What about, no, 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 no. Shohei's been solid this year. Shohei Shohei hasn't been Shohei, but he's been good. But Vladimir Guerrero has been Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, he's been just hitting nukes. He's been playing decent defense. And I definitely expect him to probably have close to 50 home runs come this year. I mean, he's on track right now to have 108 home runs. That's insane. 108. And the fact that his dad is a Hall of Famer, it's just incredible thing that he has lived up to the hype that he got, you know, coming into the MLB being a number 1 overall prospect and then absolutely crushing every single expectation that was thrown at him. I love to see it for, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just for the fact that, you know, he I love his story. I love the fact that he grew up around the majors. He grew up in this atmosphere and he's living up to every expectation that was set for him. Now, I do want to talk about Steve Kwan for the um Cleveland Guardians. An incredible start to his career that he's had. The former Oregon State Beaver is 10 for 15 which is a .667 batting average with seven walks to begin his career. Now in case you don't really know baseball a lot, a .667 average is insanely good. Like I think the average is about two eighty two ninety batting average so he's about .300 over that And not to add on the fact that he has not even struck out except once. His whole career in, you know, six games is insane, which pretty much he's reached base at least 18 times his first five career games, which is the most times on base in a player's first five games in the modern era of baseball, which is since 1901. I mean, I remember watching him opening day, you know, the Guardians when they took on the Kansas City Royals, and he absolutely balled out. And the fact that he was a fifth-round pick back in 2018 makes his story even, even, even better because it's an underdog, and, I, and we all love an underdog. So nothing less. Steven Kwan, I hope you continue to ball out. I absolutely love your story, and I love the fact that he's, just, he's, he's, he's playing at an AL Rookie of the Year type level. Now, I'm not going to get into, into too much MLB today. We'll probably discuss that a lot more next week once we get you know some of the NBA playoffs through and discuss a lot more NFL news. But guys, let's finally get into the NBA play-in tournament. And yesterday, we had the um, Charlotte Hornets taking on the Atlanta Hawks. And oh boy, oh boy, was that a one-sided game. The Atlanta Hawks came out striking from beyond the arc. With guard Kevin Huter shooting three for four behind the arc, and then also having DeAndre Hunter with two three-point uh, field goals made, and he also had 22 points. And then Trey Young, he also had 24. Bogdan Bogdanovich, he had 13. Clint Capella had 15. Danilo Gallinari, he had 18. And the I'm telling you, the Hawks just looked great on offense. Defense wasn't even that bad either. Now for the Charlotte Hornets, they majorly struggled when it came to shooting lamella ball. He only had, he I mean, he had 26, but he went seven for 25. Terry Ogier went eight for 22. Miles Bridges went five for 11. P.J. Washington went seven for 10. And it just wasn't really that great of an offensively rounded game for you know Lamelo Ball and Trey Young, the two stars that were you know expected to absolutely blow out this game. Because Trey Young he went eight for 24 shooting with a 33 field goal percentage, so it wasn't that great of a game for him either. I mean he did have 24 points, but nothing less a lot more of the role players and a lot more of some of the underrated players they took over for the Hawks and they ended up beating Charlotte 132 to 103. So Atlanta they will take on Cleveland on Friday at 7:30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. I definitely would expect I mean I really in my opinion I I could probably see Atlanta winning this game easily depending on how well Cleveland plays. I mean, just from seeing what they did to Charlotte, which I thought Charlotte was going to easily win this game. If Trey, you know, I said if Trey Young plays bad, I definitely expect Charlotte to win. And Trey Young played bad, but Atlanta won. So definitely watch out for Atlanta on Friday. Now, the New Orleans Pelicans, they took on the San Antonio Spurs. And what could have possibly been Greg Popovich's, you know, legendary head coach of the Spurs, his final game coaching now, New Orleans, they won that game 113-103 to against the Spurs, and they will take on the Los Angeles Clippers at 10 p.m. Eastern on TNT on Friday. Now, during that game, you know, C.J. McCollum absolutely went off. He had 32 points, you know, played. I said if C.J. McCollum plays at, you know, an a all-star level like he has been, they'll win. And they ended up winning, so the Pelicans, they advanced to the final round of the play-in tournament. Now guys, I do want to try and wrap up today's episode because I don't want it to be too crazy long for y'all. I want y'all to be able to, you know, enjoy the rest of y'all's days. So guys, I will end the episode now. But I honestly I do hope y'all really did enjoy today's episode. I know I enjoyed making it for y'all. And before y'all do, leave please make sure that you are following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover7 with Mason Pierce podcast at cover7 with Mason Pierce. I will make sure to leave a link down in the description. Guys, as always, have a fantastic Friday. Have a great weekend. Make sure to continue to watch baseball, basketball, whatever y'all are feeling like you want to watch. And I hope y'all have an amazing day. Peace.